0: It's good to see you guys this morning. It's good to be in the house of the Lord together. Let me uh, invite you to head to John chapter 3 as we continue in our series, Follow Jesus. We're going to look at John chapter 3 and verses 1 through 8 this morning. If you need a Bible this morning, we'd love to give you one back there at the back again at our welcome table. We're going to jump right into the scripture. It'll also be behind me on the screen. I'll be reading uh, from the English Standard Version. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Let's ask for the Holy Spirit's guidance as we study His Word this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for Your Word. Lord, we submit ourselves to it. We thank You for the grace, the salvation, the hope that we have in Jesus. Lord, we pray that through the life and the questions that Nicodemus had, and the answers and the truth that Jesus himself, the Son of God, gives, Lord, that you might illuminate our heart and lives to know you and trust you and follow you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Jesus says here, you must be born again. It is a phrase that we hear often, the idea of being a born-again Christian. What does it mean? It is one of those phrases that both inside the church and outside and just general culture that gets used, and I would suggest you, abused the idea of being born again. And so what we have to do when we hear a phrase that gets used a lot is come back to the Scripture and allow Jesus himself, the Son of God, to help us understand what does it mean to be born again and what does Jesus say It means, and why does he give us this requirement? And what we're going to find as we look at what Jesus says, we're going to find out what are those non-negotiables of what it means to be born again. How can we be born again? So Jesus is going to do that. To be clear, by teaching us the good news afresh, by teaching us the gospel in a fresh way, he's going to tell us, again, how we can be saved and that it is by his grace, that it is by his effort, that it is by the work of his Holy Spirit in us that we will come to see, even this morning, how we can be born again and, as a result, by his grace, how we can follow Jesus. So, four applications as we walk through these eight verses this morning. Number one is this. We see this all over the place in Scripture, but Jesus begins with this reality in the very first sentence, your good works are not enough. Your good works, your good stuff, your good efforts, your self-righteousness, whatever, it's not enough. It's not enough to save us. Look at John 3 and verse 1 one more time, very simple. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And we learn this right up front because John, the writer of this book of the Bible, wants to be very clear that Nicodemus had everything. Nicodemus's resume is complete. We wish that we could look this good on the outside like Nicodemus because he has it all, at least according to that time, that era, that culture. We would look at him and go, man, you've got everything. Everything. First, as this passage tells us, because Nicodemus was a Pharisee, and a Pharisee was a highly revered and respected teacher of the law. But unfortunately, their teaching of the law had already in this time and place gone beyond God's law and come to include their own law and their own bonus and extras that were an effort, maybe unintentionally, but what came about was they began to abuse God's word and to empty it of any actual meaning as they try to justify their own self-righteousness. So, for example, Pharisees were so serious about God's law um, that they would carry no more than food the weight of a dried fig or a single swallow of milk on the Sabbath so as to avoid incidentally or accidentally working on the Sabbath. They were, they were this focused in on the minutiae. But what Jesus is going to show us is that empty rule following will not solve the world's problems. Empty rule following will not restore our broken relationship with God. Not only is he a Pharisee, he's a member of the Sanhedrin, which is this Jewish ruling council that is being membered. The Sanhedrin was a group of 70 men who ruled much in the same way that our senators rule a certain aspect of the country today. For them, their power was more significant, though, and they they basically, under the authority of Rome, had control of all politics and law within the country and even influenced religious practice significantly as well. And this guy is a member of that elite group of people. But Nicodemus' life and questions are going to show us again that politics and power and government will not solve the world's problems and they cannot restore your broken relationship with God. He was also an educated fellow. And we know this a couple different ways. Jesus in verse 10, right after where I just finished reading, Jesus in verse 10 calls Nicodemus Israel's teacher. Okay, so he was well known that Jesus would give him this high title. It is highly likely that historically Nicodemus was the greatest teacher of that era until Jesus shows up and, well, he's the son of God, so obviously he wins that argument. But the point is, Nicodemus was no fool, and in this conversation, Nicodemus is not a fool. What he is, is a Jewish person who has been deeply trained in Hebrew, but he's also clearly been trained in Greek education, which was sort of the standard worldwide at the time. His name tells us that, first of all, because his name is a Greek name, Nicodemus, which means one who conquers the people. He also historically was most likely a member of a very well-known Jewish aristocratic family. And so again, his resume is complete. But the scripture is going to show us here that even though the world will tell us things like if we have just enough education, we can solve the world's problems. But Maybe if we look to those who are powerful, those who have money, those who are resourced, if we look to them, those who have a reputation, maybe they can provide for us the solutions to this life. The Scripture says otherwise. Education, although good on its own, will not solve the problem. Money, although useful, will not solve the problem. Reputation, although a nice thing to have, is not what Jesus is after, and they cannot restore our broken relationship with God. You know, with this guy, this Nicodemus fellow, what the Bible doesn't tell us super clearly is whether or not at the end of his life, at some point, if Nicodemus truly was, in fact, born again, if he actually received Jesus as Savior, we don't know for sure. But we do know about another guy whose life coincides with Nicodemus's in a very interesting way. See, there was another guy in Scripture who was also a rabbi who was also a teacher like Nicodemus, who also came from an aristocratic Jewish family, who also was very well educated in Greek and in Hebrew culture. He even had Roman citizenship. He referred to himself as a Pharisee of all Pharisees, and in a way he was also a politician because of his association with the Sanhedrin. And yet this guy's heart, like Nicodemus's at the moment, was far from God. In fact, this guy made it his business at one point in his life to kill and to murder anybody who declared that Jesus Christ was the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, and the Son of God, until the day that that man met Jesus. And that day, Jesus met him on what was called the Damascus Road, and in a blinding light, he knocked this man off of his donkey. And when that man came to saving faith in Jesus, when that man was born again, he had some things to say on the topic about what the world says matters, about good works and about reputation and power and so forth. Paul says this in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 9, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish, as trash, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. You know, there's a little... Arabian uh, story from history that is essentially the Arabian version of what we learned as a kid called Chicken Little. Remember the Chicken Little story? Yes, you do. All right, good. In this story, the Arabic version, there was a young Arab man who was riding his donkey down a road, and he saw a little sparrow lying on his back in the road. The man saw this scrawny little bird with his two stick legs pointed straight in the air And he thought the bird must be dead until he saw the bird give a a little wiggle. And he realized that the bird was still alive. And so the man spoke to the bird and he said what any of us would say to a little sparrow laying in the road with our stick feet sticking straight up, are you okay? And of course, the bird responded back, yes, I'm okay. But then the bird went on to say this. The bird said, haven't you heard? They say that the heavens are falling down. The man replied to the little bird, well, if it does, surely you don't think that you're going to hold up the heavens with just those two little stick legs. And the bird looked at the man very seriously and said, I'm doing the best I can. Hmm. Okay. Our stick-legged friend here shows us the folly of when mankind believes that on their own effort, by their own ability, by their own good works, that they can somehow stop the movement of God, that they can somehow hold the heavens up, and that they can somehow resolve the issue of our sin and God's holy and perfect justice. Our little stick legs, guys, are not enough. Our good works are not enough. And it begs the question in our own lives, what is our reliance on? What are we leaning into Are we relying on the strong arms of God's grace, holiness, and power, and salvation offered in Jesus Christ, or on the stick legs of all of our good stuff? Number two. Number two, the Scripture tells us this as we look at verses two through four. Jesus goes straight to the heart of the matter. Nicodemus is going to come with his questions, and Jesus stops him flatly. Listen to verses two through four again. Many commentaries, many people who have studied this passage will say that Nicodemus here is just a theological dummy, that he just totally doesn't get it. But what we have already seen makes it pretty clear that that is highly unlikely. This man was extremely educated in the Old Testament. It is not simply that he is a dummy, quite the opposite. He was ready for a very high-level theological discussion, and he came sort of with both barrels out, ready to go, but he was not at all ready for Jesus' response because Jesus cuts him off and goes straight to the heart. He goes straight to the issues of Nicodemus's heart, and in one sentence, Jesus sweeps away all of Nicodemus' supposed list of accomplishments and tells him, instead, you've got to be remade and reborn by the power of God, not by your power. And by explaining one of the most beautiful aspects of the theology of the New Testament, that is being born again, Jesus is going to tell us the truth. See, Nicodemus' response, he's not literally suggesting that he should find a way to go through the birth process again. He is not that foolish, but he is arguing with Jesus. He is pushing back. So when Nicodemus hears Jesus' words, he has some degree of understanding what Jesus is saying. He just doesn't like it. His response, though, shows that he wants what Jesus is speaking of, but he clearly at least does not yet understand how to receive it. How can I be born all over again, says Nicodemus. There's nothing that I would want more, and and maybe many of us feel the same way as we look at our own lives and our stories We say, man, I want change. Can I just start over? Can I get rid of all the mistakes that I have made and be different and do better? I want a better heart. I want a better mind. I want a a better life. And, And there's something in Nicodemus that says, yes, I want that, but he doesn't understand yet. It's worth noting here, this guy had everything. He's achieved everything, and yet he is still clearly unsatisfied and unhappy, and he has come to Jesus for answers. Jesus is saying, of course, you don't have the solutions to life yet, because and this is important, because the solutions to life are spiritual in nature, and what you are trying to do is accomplish them and understand them in a physical Right? earthly, in a fleshly way. You have to come to understand them spiritually. You have to come to life spiritually. See, the starting point, the beginning, as Jesus is going to tell us, of the Christian life is rebirth, is being born again. Because prior to this moment, we are all, says the Scripture, children of wrath, Enemies of God because of our sin. The Scripture says of Nicodemus and of you and me that apart from God's work in our lives that we are spiritually not wounded, not spiritually damaged, not spiritually having a bad day, spiritually dead because of our sin. But God, hallelujah, but God comes to plant saving faith within His heart within our hearts, so that even faith does not come from ourselves. To quote the Scripture, it is a gift from God. Look at Ephesians 2.8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. Not only is it your efforts and your attempts at good works or your reputation or resume, even the grace, even the faith, it is not your own doing. It is The gift of God. How great is His love that He would do this for us. God gifts faith. God gifts grace. God brings the words of Scripture, the truth of Scripture, to us. And then the Holy Spirit takes the words of Scripture and plants them in the womb of our hearts. To follow the metaphor here, with the result that a newborn life is conceived result, 2 Corinthians 5:15: 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. Behold, the new has come. Now, Nicodemus doesn't understand, and maybe as you're hearing this, you're going, give me more. Well, let's keep looking. How exactly does this happen that a man or woman, boy or girl, adult child can be born again? Number three, As we continue on, there are two, says Jesus here, there are two non-negotiables of being born again, repentance and regeneration. And Jesus is going to speak to us about both. John chapter 3 and verse 5 now, continuing the conversation, Jesus answered, this is Jesus' second statement, truly, truly, I say to you, which is like, pay attention, this is important. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Water and Spirit, repentance and regeneration. First of all, what Jesus is telling us is you must repent, which maybe that's a new word for some of us this morning, the word repent. First of all, what's going on in the story here, Nicodemus is well aware of what's going on in his world at that time. We just spent two chapters seeing this man named John the Baptist who has come and he brings a baptism by water, literal, physical water, but it is a baptism for repentance and even as he gives it he says he is anticipating what is coming next and that is John 133 he says that Jesus himself the son of god will be bringing a baptism that is ultimately of the holy spirit baptism baptism is a symbol it is a sign it is a seal of several things. There are many beautiful aspects of our salvation that we get a picture of it, a visual picture of it, in baptism. Repentance is one of them. Unity or union with Christ is another. Our sin being washed away by the precious blood of Jesus is another, and regeneration that comes as a gift from the Holy Spirit is another. Jesus has all of them in mind as He speaks to us about water. Now, let's be super, super clear. Many different churches have differing views of baptism, and that is all good and well, but they all understand and agree. And if they don't, then you should not be a part of them. But understand that water, the waters of baptism in itself does not save anyone. It is water. It is a sign. It is a symbol. It is a beautiful sign and a symbol, but nobody is going spiritually from death to life because of water. It is a symbol. One of the multitude of places that the scripture teaches us this is when it connects baptism in the New Testament and circumcision in the Old Testament, both signs that on the outside, if it's just an outward thing, it is not enough, but rather it is an issue of the heart. Look at Romans 2 28 and 29. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly. And circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter. In the Old Testament, the sign of God's covenant with his people was circumcision, and in the New Testament, the same sign then is baptism. When we baptize a new believer, or when we baptize one of our infants according to God's covenant promises, in either case, it does not save anyone. But understand that the act of baptism, whether you pour it, you sprinkle it, or you dunk someone in it, it doesn't in itself save anyone. It is an outward symbol of an inward heart-level truth. Here, the water that Jesus mentions speaks of repentance. So, Thinking about this word born again, there are many who will use the phrase, who will say and who will claim, I'm born again, but who have never experienced, who know nothing of repentance. So what is repentance? True repentance is simply this, turning away from my sin and turning to Jesus and choosing Him instead. I recognize that the things that I have done have been wrong, that they are dead ends. And though I am not perfect, clearly that is the issue to begin with. I reject those things. I'll continue to make mistakes this side of glory, but I reject in repentance. I reject those sins and I say, I want Jesus. I want to make him Lord of my life and I'm trusting his grace on my behalf. That is repentance. I confess that I'm a sinner. And I need Jesus. I need Him to pay the penalty, the death penalty for my sins that I cannot afford to pay so that I can live forever in an eternal, wonderful, real place called heaven. I rely on Jesus' death and resurrection. See, being born again is a radical change, one that Nicodemus doesn't know if he's into just yet. But Jesus is calling us into that through repentance and regeneration by the Holy Spirit, you are given a new nature, a new birth, a new start. But how about this word regeneration? The work of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit here, Jesus is teaching us, the Holy Spirit does the work of regeneration in us before we respond to Him in Christ repentance. Look at Titus chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So again, Ephesians 2 tells us directly that apart from God's grace, we are spiritually not wounded, dead. Jesus is saying in the new birth, God plants the seed in believers that will mature into faith and repentance. See, if you think about birth, and this is the reason that Jesus is using this metaphor, new birth, I'm talking physically, right? Birth is an act of God. New birth is exclusively an act of God as the creator. I did not birth myself, My parents, and ultimately God, did that work on my behalf. I contributed nothing. You did not birth yourself. Jesus is saying here, the new birth is the cause of faith, not the other way around. So just as conception brings new physical life, so the Holy Spirit's work of regeneration brings forth new spiritual life. Paul wants to talk about This same topic, and he reiterates this idea in Romans chapter 8. Look at Romans chapter 8 briefly. This is verses 28 through 30, and he's explaining the order of salvation, how God in His love has moved in us so that we might respond to Him. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. We love that promise. We cling to that promise as well. We should. It doesn't end there. For those who are called according to His purpose, for those who He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called. Those He called, He also justified. There is the moment of faith. And those whom He justified, He also glorified, which means heaven. Jesus teaches us about water and the Spirit. He is tying the Old Testament and the New Testament together. He is completing what they had been waiting for. One of the ways he does that, listen to the book of Ezekiel. Listen to what Ezekiel is saying and longing for and see how Jesus here in his promise and in his existence fulfills it. This is Ezekiel 36, verse 25. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. Old Testament. Promises being fulfilled in front of Nicodemus and in front of us this morning as we see God's Word. This is the love that God the Father has for us, that He would do this for us. This is the love of His Son, Jesus Christ, that He would come on our behalf. This is the love of the Holy Spirit that would come and work in us and do in us what we would never do ourselves. By His grace, He has loved us. Now, how do we respond? Number four, you must respond. This is not just a promise sitting here that we ought to walk by. These are not promises of God that we ought to make light of or say, I'll think about that another day or another time. The Scripture is telling us you must respond in faith to the gracious gift of the Holy Spirit. You've got to respond. The day is now. The hour is now. Look at how this conversation finishes out. This is verses 9 through 13, and this is Jesus and Nicodemus as they continue to finish out the conversation. Nicodemus said to him, to Jesus, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? You know the Old Testament, Jesus is saying. How do you not see? Truly, truly, truly. I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? I told you physical stuff and you don't understand it. How are you going to understand spiritual things unless you are born again? And when he says you, it is you plural. He is talking to Nicodemus, he is talking to all the Pharisees he represents, and he is speaking to you. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. That's John 3:15. Anybody memorized John 3:16? You heard that one before? Uh, maybe. That's where we're going next week as John continues to have this conversation, or Jesus rather, has this conversation with Nicodemus. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whosoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. He says it here in verse 15 as well, and the point is He is calling Nicodemus and He is calling you to respond respond to the love and the grace that Jesus Christ has offered by the Father through the Holy Spirit in the person of the Son of God, Jesus. What's the problem? The problem is every single one of us is born with the mentality of that little sparrow. I just use my two little stick legs. I got it. I can handle the weight of the world. I can handle my own sin issues. I can handle the, God, the, the justice of God that is very real. I can handle myself. I got these two stick legs. They're three inches long. It'll be fine. That is how we begin. And yet the scripture says, be done with your stick legs. I have sent the savior of the world. You've Got to understand you cannot be born again by any achievement of your own. And this is how Jesus speaks to all of us. The Holy Spirit opens our eyes to understand spiritual reality. So if you've never believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, understand today, salvation is a gift. Regeneration is a gift. The new birth is a gift. Faith is a gift, and it is all free. All you have to respond do is respond and say, save me. It's more than just asking Jesus into your heart. It's recognizing that I have a problem that I cannot solve. It's a spiritual problem and Jesus can solve it by his death and resurrection on the cross. That should tell us how much we are loved. But you've got to respond and turn to Jesus. Do you desire Christ as the solution to your greatest, and it is your greatest, need? Today's the day. Believe in Jesus, the author of the new birth. And, believer, if you have done this, if the Holy Spirit is at work in your life right now, if you've been born again by God's grace. The Spirit of God has, has made you alive already. He has made you new already when you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You are fully given the gift of the Holy Spirit. As a result of His grace, you have repented. You've trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If that is true, brothers and sisters, then praise God. It is a gift. You did nothing to deserve it. It is only out of His grace. Let us be thankful and live in light of it. Lord Jesus, continue to remind me of your great love for me, the new birth that you have given me, your love that you have poured out on me. Brothers and sisters, your story, your testimony is a miracle, every single one. I've had so many conversations where people say, well, I wasn't a drug dealer and a murderer before I became a Christian, so my testimony is not that interesting. Every single one of us, when God saves a life, it is a miracle It is a gift. Understand how preciously you are loved and what a massive big deal it is that Jesus has saved you, that the Holy Spirit has filled you. Now live in light of it by His grace and let's follow Jesus. Amen? Let's take a word and let's go to Him in prayer even now.